so we have a project. We have a project. We call it OM Champion Project. Hello and welcome to the Marseille View. I'm Stefan and today I'm going to be hosting the show and joining me is Ben. How are you, Ben? Good, good, good to have you back. Um, yeah, curious to, to get your your impressions from uh, from attending the game on Friday, and curious to speak to our guest. But I mean, yeah, it, it feels like I've not been on for ages. I don't know why that is. I'm sure it's not been that long, but it feels a while. Um, so yeah, it's good to it's good to be back anyway. Um, even though there's not like a huge amount of action, we've actually got quite a bit to talk about tonight. I think so. Um, for tonight's show, we're going to discuss a little bit about the pre-season as the OM is currently in the UK as part of its pre-season tour um, and then we're going to talk about the Mercato because this is the Mercato series so we're on episode three now and um, so we've got several new signings to discuss and we've got a Spanish football journalist as well joining us to give us the lowdown on a couple of those new players so he'll be joining us in a little while um, and that, that's Eduardo Alvarez um, so yeah, so plenty to talk about, a few departures, um, a few rumours and, and some little bits of news as well popping up. Um, so yeah, should be a busy show. So to start off, we'll I think we'll talk about the pre-season. So as I said, Marseille are in the UK right now and that's the first time that's happened since 2019, I think, um, where yeah. we, we all got together, didn't we? And we managed to watch them um and a delightful game against stoke under 23s but this time we've been treated a little bit better so um on friday night was the first of two fixtures in the uk so we um, marcy were in middlesbrough playing against middlesbrough and uh some of us who the uh, some of those um in the uk a little bit further north than the london crew were able to 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 make it along to that game um it would have so, been a hell of an ordeal to make it but i'm glad that these you guys got to come to get there yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, they're not really um, designing these pre-season tools um, with that in mind and how easy it is actually for anyone to get there. Um, no offence if you live in Middlesbrough and North East or anything. Actually, it was quite easy for me like just to drive up because um, I'm not that far in Leeds. But um, yeah, so Marseille against Middlesbrough. Just before we just talk about the... Um, stuff going on um like in terms of the the OM fan group but the the game the game was um it wasn't an outstanding performance let's just say from Marseille and I think we've probably been quite um a bit downbeat about our pre-season anyway um but yeah so Marseille uh, traveled to to Middlesbrough and and lost this game to nothing um and didn't really show a huge amount in the game although I think it's fair to say, Ben, isn't it, that pre-season friendlies, especially at this stage, can't really look too much into it. It's often about just getting players a bit of a run out and stuff, don't you think? Yeah, well, we, we, we covered it last week we, and we had exactly the same discussion. And, um, and you know, to be fair to true, though, I mean, <clears throat> you know, sometimes coaches come out with excuses and stuff. I mean, if he's, if he's doing that in November, I'll be, I'll be fuming. But, 
you know, he came out and he's got a point. He said, look, um, you know, you've got to remember that I arrived and this was already all predefined. And when you consider the difference in terms of, um, you know, the physical work we're doing and, and, and the, the rhythm that the players are following at training with, which is the Italian method, which is really physical, really based around endurance and, and, and explosivity and, and the long term um, sort of fitness gains. And then and then less of the technical um, aspects of the game. And you add to that as well that he's walked into a team where, where he's changing the system compared to the one they were used to, which was possession based. So you've got you've got all of those things added together, and then just the, the final point on that on that front is add to that the fact that the, the two teams we played so Norwich and Middlesbrough are two weeks ahead of us in terms of their preseason. So they're obviously much fitter, much sharper. I, I guess yes, you could be you could be negative, you could be a naysayer. I agree with you. There wasn't it wasn't great. I mean there were there were parts in the first half. There were some decent moves. Milik missed the sitter. Um, you know, I mean, if if he scores that, it's not about the result, but it would have been would have it would have sort of um, capped off a, a pretty decent move. You know, it was a good counter attack, very very direct, the likes of which we saw rarely last season. So you can kind of see where we're heading in terms of our our sort of game plan, which is is heavily based on pass it out to the wings. And in you know, in the second half when Klus came on, we we saw that, and he was more dangerous in five minutes than anyone else was in the first half. But yeah, it's 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 harsh to read into the result. I mean, how how did it look from the stadium in terms of the um you know the sort of layout of the team and and the formation? Uh, see, to be honest, I I think it was quite hard to really see um what we were trying to do um, for me anyway. But I think like being at the game, there was a bit of a distraction because there was lots of people there and, and, and I probably wasn't giving it like my undivided attention and it was shit. So um, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I probably would need to watch again. I did watch the highlights actually um, at the weekend, um, you know, just like the four or five minute highlights. Um, and it was kind of, it just felt really different watching it. Um, but yeah, during the game, it felt that I just remember thinking that we were very poor actually, and that we were struggling to keep possession of the ball. Um, and I didn't really see a lot of positives. Uh, I think we were all quite quite critical watching, um, watching on. So yeah, I don't know. I felt like we didn't really create that many clear chances. I know you mentioned Melik had a couple of chances in the first half, but that was it. I- Apart from that, like all the chances were like barely even half chances, and I just didn't really see a, a like great animation in our play. Physically, we looked, you know, second to Middlesbrough, and I mean that might be down to, as you said, the stage that we're at in the preseason. But I think the thing that was most striking for us, and we were a lot of us were talking about this after the game, was just the body language of the players. Just didn't seem right. They just nobody seemed happy. Um, everyone looked a bit grumpy, and after the game, yeah, you know, there, seems, there we... seems to be. I mean, from from the TV, from what we saw, and may, and you, you, well, you you guys are the best place to back this up, right? Because you were there. But there seems to be a lot of frustration, a lot of. I mean, we we could all see, and that's down to, to because they're tired, right? And it's there's, there was a lot of you know obviously lost miscontrols and, and misplaced passing, and you know there was a lot of that, and, and increasingly someone like Genduzi looked very frustrated, Jason looked very frustrated. Um, do, could you guys hear that? I mean, we could see it on the TV, and they were obviously making a point of, of, of exacerbating it, the commentators. But could you could you hear them shouting at each other? Did it did it look like it was a bit tense? Um, I, I it it just felt like everyone was a bit moody. Yeah. Um, I think though we were the other side from the um 
the the you know the manager and the, the subs and all that would have been bench. probably quite good to be yeah by the bench because then you can kind of hear a bit what the um, what the shout and stuff although I think I'd probably have struggled to understand but um the yeah just it didn't feel positive and um, but I think like after the game because um, we, you know, we were expecting to maybe that they were going to come out and greet, and they came out. Some of the players came out and trained in for it, was but they didn't really like interact with us. But after the game, um, they came out and to the bus, and, and you know, players were signing autographs and stuff. And it just everyone just looked so moody. It just didn't feel like uh, it didn't look like a like a, work, a happy workplace. It looked like there was tension. Um, so yeah, it was quite strange. Um, you know, comparing it, like I know when we went to Stoke, it was very different um, because it was like the training centre and stuff. But the the players were like smiling and a bit more like positive, like chatting chatting to people. Well, not really yeah, chatting, but much, I guess, you know, yeah, but, but it, was just, it just felt very negative. Yeah, um, but so, if, you, yeah. if you're going to compare to that time, I mean, you've got to you know got to remember the context where they just you know they come out of three years with Gasia and it was a breath of fresh air. They've got AVB in and. You know, there's a, a bit more happiness and freedom in the camp compared to the the Gassian method. So, you know, that, there's probably that aspect to it. Whereas now it's like, you know, even if if they were probably aware and 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 not not expecting, but you know, they, they you know the, the managerial change, the way it's happened after such a successful season, it's different when when you have a non-successful season, someone comes in and lifts the mood, and and now it's just a bit like probably a lot of you know a lot of confusion and a lot of oh shit, you know, we weren't expecting psychologically to have to put in this much effort in pre-season because we were expecting a, a San Paoli pre-season like last year where it was really axed around, you know, um, passing lanes and tactical movements and interchanging positions and possession. And now it's just run, 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 sweat, sweat, sweat. So, I, I yeah, I can imagine that's probably playing a part, but it's it's hard to read. I mean, you know, again, we we the, the press and, and many fans online they jump on these these things. Oh, it's not a happy camp. And I, I spoke to someone who said it wasn't wasn't the case, but it wasn't as bad as people were making out. Um, but yeah, as you as you say, like the, the, you know, yes, I think the next day on the Saturday there were there were videos from them, um, you know, smiling and playing around in, in training games, and it, it just looked like a normal squad, right? So I think I think just to add to to their mood. I mean, I found I found it strange. I thought I would have thought they would have flown to the UK on the Wednesday, had a couple of days at base camp, and then travelled up by coach from Middlesbrough, right? But no, they flew over on the day, didn't they, in the morning? Actually, we were kind of surprised that the bus that they had was clearly a French bus, um, and we sort of wondered, like, they truly didn't drive, did they, all the way to Middlesbrough? But if you're saying they flew, I guess yeah, the, no, the so bus must have travelled there separately. Yeah, um, so the way it happens is they'll, they'll have drivers who, who bring the coach, um, you know, over, they'll drive it over like three days before or something. And then, yeah, they'll land and the coach, everything will be there. You know, it's, it, they, they have this thing whenever whenever a club goes on pre-season, except when it's like to the Far East or the US. But when they do European camps like Marseille are doing, they, they tend to try and maintain and take as much of the, you know, the little home comforts as they can. So the bus... Um, you know, they always pretty much pro players always pretty much sit in the same seat on the bus. They probably leave their chargers and all that crap there. So yeah, it's, it's that's the, the whole point of that. So that's why you saw the French bus. Well, you'd need to drive over three days in advance these days, wouldn't you? Like getting stuck in Dover for about a week. <laughs> that's <laughs> another topic, bro. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, like so, um, just like to, just to so uh, maybe we'll touch upon the train and stuff later if we get time. But um, just about the game, anyway, just. 
I think that it was even though the game was shit, it was a terrible game really. But um, I think it was it was a good experience. You know, it was first for me myself. It's first time I've been to COM for a few years now, and um, it was just good being at a game and meeting up with other OM fans and actually just like you know just great to see everyone out so there was people I mean we were a small group but we were I like I mean we weren't that noisy we were, no we were probably quite quiet actually but we you know we had a good time and like there was people that traveled from you know as far as like Bourne I think Southampton there was like people from London that traveled up there was people, yeah there are a few brave souls that made the long journey yeah, yeah. quite a few from Scotland actually and um yeah it was just kind of <laughs> good must have to... felt right at home for a change I was like what the hell's going on like I was like all my <laughs> life like, I never came across any OM fans in Scotland in Glasgow and suddenly I'm like what <laughs> yeah I was going to say the irony that you've been putting shout outs of out on Twitter for years about anybody based up north who supports Marseille and stuff and pretty much had zero success and then suddenly yeah you meet all these people and, and you're like oh there you do exist yeah <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't, I don't live in Scotland anymore. Um, yeah, but it was just really good to 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 see everyone, you know, getting together and um, enjoying OM. And yeah, like I think you know we've got the the UK group as well. So like some more people just sort of been linked into the the main the main group. Um, and yeah, I think like it just shows that there's there's OM fans everywhere, you know. Um, and you know, if we can help connect these people, like there's always the possibility there might be people close to you. So, um, yeah, it's just good to kind of build the network, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's good. And, and, and I guess for, for us, I mean, uh, I had I had a few of the lads over. So Alex was over, Clément was over, a few guys from the WhatsApp group. And um, when I was explaining to him, you know, I was giving them a bit of the, a, a lowdown on the day because you guys organised to meet in a bar and on Twitter, on, on WhatsApp and stuff. And I think it's just for, for Alex, notably, who's, who's you know, he's French. Not like not like you or I who who are sort of both, but he he was just surprised the amount of of actual you know just British people who who seemingly a lot of them don't I mean there weren't many of you but but having said that from your point of view it's like they don't necessarily have an attachment or or family from France or relationship with France and and you know they're OM fans and that's enough for you guys to all get on and that's that's the best part about this fan group this fan base. Yeah, there's definitely some something about the club that attracts um, people. Um, it's just, I guess, um, the, the the club's profile is probably quite um, low at the moment because the, the quality's been poor and we've been at a European competition. But the club has certain things about it, you know, that really are appealing to, um, new, you know, like, potential fans who don't have those connections, yeah. Um, just... I think I'm just looking at time. So um, just before we move on to the Mercato stuff, um, there is another game coming up. So on Wednesday, uh, Marseille are playing in Chesterfield um, for all those lucky people who live round about there. Um, and they're playing against uh, Real Betis. So um, again, you know, there's a lot of people I understand travelling up for this one, isn't there, Ben? So, well, it, it, yes and no. So there was originally... And then, um, I mean, I'm, 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 again, we're, we're not going to we're going to gloss over the politics of this country, but um, I'm pro pro supporting the unions, by the way. But the unions have announced a massive trade strike for Wednesday, which has scuppered quite a few people's plans. So um, there are a brave there's a brave squadron of us who've like 
found the car or rented the vehicle, we're driving up, we're picking people up on the way and stuff to make sure they can make it. So um, again, you know, shout out to, to, to well, the little group that we have, but it just, you know, it's just the, the values of the fan base, which is help each other out. Oh, you need a lift to the game? Of course I'll sort you out. You know, the more we are, the, the merrier it's going to be. So yeah, there should be a good 25 of us traveling up from London, I think. Um, there are people I know traveling down from up north. There are people, probably uh, some people that you were with at the game, Stefan, who are coming, so Eric notably. Um, and then there'll be, there'll be like like it was the case for you, I'm sure there'll be people that, that turn up on the day that weren't aware that we we exist as a group and we're organized, and we, we, there'll be welcome additions to our, to our lovely little community that we have. So, yeah, it should be good. Um, I think there's going to be a fair few more French speakers, so we'll, we'll, we'll definitely try and chant and make some noise. Um, um, yeah, it's just going to be a fun experience. And uh, and Betis, I mean, you know, compared to the opponents we've faced so far, they're better in quality, of course, but I think they're at the same sort of level of pre-season as we are. So it should, maybe we should see a bit more of an even game in terms of they'll make some misplaced passes and some errors too. Maybe we will be a bit better, let's hope so. Um, but no, in any case, look, it's good. They've, they've come to the UK, they've played friendlies, we've been able to make it. Um, we'll... we'll be massive, you know, massive support on Wednesday. We'll be loud. We'll, we'll, we'll try and push them as, as much as we can. And we hope that we we get as lucky as you guys did and, and get to meet a few of them after the game and take pictures and stuff. Fantastic. Yeah, looking forward to that one and, and hearing about um, how, how the, the meetup goes and hoping everyone has a good time. Um, yeah, just before we move on, actually, just as well, just to say about that, like, because I think with these games, we they tend to bring out, uh, the what people that we've not come across, I guess, and the so the community the, um, that exists, um, I guess, around the, the 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 fan group, the UK fan group, and in the podcast. So, like, as people, um, yeah, and you know, if you're new to us, just like get in touch. Like, we've got, you know, we've got a Twitter page um, for the UK of Marseille. We've got for people who want to join there's a whatsapp group that we that you can join um yes yeah, so just get in touch as well if you want to um be connected to the group and the potential meetups that can can happen um obviously that are in london but people are in other areas there's always a potential for us to help well, facilitate exactly, that yeah. so in if the you future guys, if, so, yeah if there's enough of you in, in in you know in, in the catchment area you, you can try and obviously maybe not every week but for the big games or for special occasions you guys can organize each other and um, just to add to that, I mean, yes, we've got the UK of Marseille fan group, but you know, anybody that that was with Steph on on Friday and wants to come on the show, come on, we need we need we're always welcoming new people, so come and come and express yourselves and come and tell us all about how it is supporting OM in a remote area or or um, you know just just your, your experience as a fan. It's always on the lookout for new people to join the show. Exactly, exactly, and obviously, like we do occasionally hear about, um, you know, French people that have moved to the UK um, and they're looking for other OM fans, you know, in the new new area. Just get in touch because we can potentially like sort of facilitate some of those sort of like hookups, you know, between fans if we know who's in the area. So, so yeah. Um, we're moving on to discuss the Mercato and uh, we've had quite a few signings for OM recently so we've just signed three new players and, and two of which um, I'm pleased to say we've got a guest joining us to to give us the lowdown on, on these two new players so um, I'm joined by uh, Spanish football writer Eduardo Alvarez. Hello Eduardo, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thanks for having me. 
Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Um, Eduardo, do you want to just tell us uh, just a little bit briefly about yourself and why you're in a position to tell us about these two new players that we've signed from La Liga? Well, I've been writing about Spanish football since 2008. Uh, I started with Soccernet, which was later bought by ESPN and became ESPN FC. I wrote for them for almost nine years, and then in parallel, I've been uh, I've been featured in BBC, in Sky Sports, in in a number of other media outlets, um, and that's my my main hobbies is writing and talking about football. That's uh, something I love, and especially the Spanish uh, La Liga is is the is is the tournament that I I really know most and 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 that I follow every single weekend. Fantastic. So uh, well, I think we're very lucky to have you on then because I think your uh, knowledge of uh, these players in the Liga is going to be so helpful for us OM fans who don't really know very much about our new signings. So um, <laughs> the first signing that we were going to talk about is the Colombian forward Luis Suarez and, and, and maybe disappointingly for some of us not the other Luis <laughs> Suarez. But um, yeah, so this one I think kind of came as a bit of a surprise for us. I don't think we were expecting this player he, he, there was no rumours um, recently around him, I know he was linked to him about a couple of years ago but this summer there hadn't really been any mention of his name and uh, a forward didn't appear to be our immediate priority so it kind of caught some of us by surprise um, what can you tell us about uh, Luis Suarez Like, what's, what kind of player is he? Well um, this is a bit of a surprise because, uh, as you said, there were no rumors that this uh, transaction was going to happen. Obviously, uh, Granada had to review their pay scale uh, after last season. And uh, the first thing they did was uh, look on, on which players uh, they were going to, to offload. And uh, no one really expected Suarez to leave uh, because uh, he had had... Uh, not an outstanding season, but he had been decent and uh, he was well-liked among the players and, and, and the fans. So it's uh, he had participated in one of the best seasons of Granada, which, which was the, the second to last season, uh, where they did uh, really well. Um, but again, he, he wasn't uh, outstanding in the last, uh, in, in 2021, 2022. Um he scored eight times in 38 matches, which is uh, is not outstanding. And uh, before that, he had been signed to to Granada from Zaragoza. He played in the Spanish second division with one of the uh, household names in in Spain. Zaragoza is a team that's been a few years in the second division, but is uh, in in terms of fans and history is a top club. And he uh, in the second division he did very well, and that's why Granada signed him. He, he scored 19 goals in. 38 matches, um, and uh, he was key uh, in the decent season that Zaragoza enjoyed in 2019-2020. And he went to Granada again in 2020-2021. That was a fantastic Granada season, and uh, he didn't play that much more than this last season, but he did he did well. And uh, I think what makes sense is to describe him as a player. He's uh, He's a favorite of the fans because he's really intense. He's a forward, but uh, 
is one of those forwards that usually center backs from the opposing team have fear of because he's is uh, very physical. Uh, he tries tries to dispossess the center backs very often. I mean, he is not the the Luis, the Luis Suarez uh, you were probably wishing for, but uh, he's very physical, like Suarez. Uh, uh, he's actually bigger, but uh, he uses very well his body, and uh, is one of those players that never. Uh, gives up on a run or on a ball that's going uh, to go out of bounds. It, 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 that's why he was a fan's favorite. Um, on the and, and again, uh, an imposing physical presence, a strong player. Uh, uh, but but the the point where I think he needs to improve and he's still 24 is his finishing. I mean, he he wastes more chances than you would wish from your center forward, and that's why. He uh, to me he made sense in a, in a club like Granada who enjoyed a fantastic season, but uh, his his place is more mid table, uh, lower lower half of the table in Spain rather than going to to Olympique. Uh, it seems a bit uh, a, a, a high a high order, a tall order for for him. Yeah, it's a, it's a question I was going to ask Eduardo. So Ben, nice, nice to speak. I mean, we spoke before, but thanks for coming on. But um, I guess, I mean, looking at his stats, and I, I hate to be the stats guy because, you know, in football, yes, stats are important. And we know how much clubs use data nowadays and, and are obsessed with it. But, you, you know, as football fans, we, we, we'd like to get the impressions from what we see on the pitch. But I guess one of one of the things that stood out to me was was his his number of expected goals was much higher. It was 14, 15, right? And I I, I hear what you're saying that his finishing, you know, was cost him a bit. And, and I mean, from what I've seen online, and you know, there, there, there was some misses there that you sort of go, oh, man, how how? But I guess is it a case that I, I'm I'm trying? I guess the question I have is. In terms of his potential, and, and yes, he's had better seasons in the past, as you've said. But is is he a player? Do you think when you when you say the things I like that I'm hearing, or when you say about his mentality, he's a fighter and he, he presses. Do you think it's a case of maybe with the right coach in the right environment, he could he could take a step up? I think he he can improve indeed because um, last season was. Uh, the environment wasn't good for him in in Granada. Uh, uh, the 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 change of coach didn't help him. in In the first season with Granada, Granada uh, went until the quarterfinals of the Europa League. So it was a, and ended up in the ninth position in La Liga. And surprisingly, the coach left after the best season in history of Granada. The coach left. And the two coaches that went after him didn't actually, they didn't deliver uh, and, and weren't able to to follow on those amazing results uh, from the previous season. So the team was not playing as well as uh, they did the, the previous year. And that's probably why Luis Suarez didn't really have the right environment to, to, to thrive, especially being a young player. Um, but uh, my point still stands. Uh, he still is not a killer finisher. As you said, with the expected goals, it's, it's very clear that he should have done better that last season. And that's something he really needs to work on because all the rest, I mean, he gets into scoring positions, no doubt. He can. He, he knows how to find the spot. Uh, he's constantly moving up front. 
uh, his uh, his physicality helps him to win some balls that you would expect him to, but he really needs to improve on 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 how to put the ball on the net. Mm, okay, um, that's really interesting. Um, I guess you kind of touched upon his um, fighting spirit, his uh, his work rate and stuff, and I I just sort of wondered about how well he he would fit in at Marseille. So Marseille is a club that's got um, well, there's quite high expectations often with the fans, and it's quite can be quite a difficult club to succeed in, especially for young younger players. Um, so sometimes it kind of requires a certain kind of personality to do well here. Um, do you think that he has the right kind of mental strength to to play at a club like Marseille? Or do you think he would be sort of, he would struggle with the kind of expectations, the kind of intimidating atmosphere, uh, um, and yeah, and the kind of sometimes an unstable environment that, that Marseille is? Do you think he's got the right shoulders to play here? Um, he's never been in such a high-pressure environment. Um, I'm not sure what's what's going to happen. Granada, Granada is a small city. Zaragoza, uh, probably in Zaragoza, he felt more the pressure than than he did at Granada because Zaragoza is a is a more traditional club and and fans are really demanding. But he's never been in uh, in a position. Uh, his previous clubs in in Valladolid, for instance. Uh, he's never experienced something like uh, he's going to experience in Marseille, I, I, I don't think. Uh, again, he's young. Uh, it, it all depends depends on expectations. The expectations about him in Granada were high. Uh, um, but the pressure that, that the type of city Granada is, is, is not huge. Uh, I think this is going to be a, a, a pretty big test for him, depending on how much is expected from him. I don't think he's going to be a starter, but I think if he ends, if, if he gets some some playing time and is brought into the team bit by bit, I think that should that, that could work a lot better for him. I, I guess in terms of, uh, I, I mean, I don't know how much you know about Igor Trudor or, or, you know, the sort of total pressing system he seems to be promoting, but... yeah. It, it makes sense, right, based on what you've said in terms of his profile. If he's someone that, that likes to, well, he's got a lot of energy, he's a fighter. Um, I mean, yeah. in Marseille, we, you know, we, we say this, as you say in Spanish, like Grinta, you know, we, <laughs> we, we, we've we had so many players with that character, Gabi Einza and, and Carlos Moser in the past. Uh, it, it, if, and Lucas Ocampos most recently, you know, if, if players are a little bit limited technically, but still good, but but they compensate with fights and with the right attitudes. You know, they, um, they, they they generally tend to be galvanized in Marseille. The public seems to, 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 to take them under our wing. In the stadium, they seem, you know, they will, they will shout loudly and clap loudly every time he presses and stuff just to salute the effort. So maybe maybe it's the right place for him in terms of that will give him wings and he will he will then compensate by improving his, his footballing ability and his finishing. But Certainly, I mean, from what I'm hearing in terms of his mentality, he's, he's, he's going to be right at home and, and he should adapt pretty quickly to, to, the, um, to the system, first of all, where, where there will be expectations of the forwards to press. But also in terms of the environment and, and the fans, it sounds like someone that, that a lot of the fans who like that kind of mentality are going to love. I think it's funny because uh, Bakambu is, plays for Marseille and I think it's a very different kind of player. 
and they they can probably mix it up well. Bakambu is a lot finer, a finer player, I'd say, in terms of technique and uh, and probably faster. But well, he, maybe when he was at Villarreal, but you you know he's been in China for two years instead. <laughs> it's not the case anymore, sadly. That's tough to hear. <laughs> he used to play, he used to play very well for Villarreal. You never know what happens, right? This uh, the, the the context uh, makes you. Uh, play very differently from one team to another but I see them as as almost opposite uh, type of players and uh, and Suarez should help in terms of of some more stamina and uh, and yeah I think I think if he can be brought brought into the team bit by bit but he will really need to work on on putting those chances away Mm, okay, um, it's really interesting actually to hear. I, I kind of get the sense that you sort of feel like maybe if we'd signed him just after he'd been at uh, Zaragoza, um, that it would have made a bit more sense. But after he kind of had a bit of a sort of up and down time, he's maybe not quite the the prospect he once seemed like. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, does that sound about right? Yeah, he's kind of someone who's sort of maybe not quite reached where he could have done. Um, yeah, has, or, has he stagnated uh, basically? Yeah. 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 And, and um, I don't know if I've got anything else to ask about Suarez. Have you got any final I've questions? I've just got one, one last question we before on? we move to, to onto our, our other Spanish journey. But um, I mean, uh, Eduardo, I don't know if, if you're aware of the you know the situation between Watford and Marseille, where we we signed Pab Gay and they've already signed a contract with him, so they took us to to, to FIFA, um, and we're we're risking a transfer ban now. Some some sources are saying that because because I think they still own fifty percent of the rights to Suarez, right? That's right. They they, yeah. I mean, Mar- uh, Granada and Watford work under similar it's the same ways owner. in terms of yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. they uh, they they've been sharing players. They it's it's one of those things that you never know how how clean it is, right? But Yeah, uh, it's, it's, yeah there, are, there are a few clubs like that in Europe. It's now. always... City group, and yeah, there's a few, yes. Yeah, it's conflict of interest, you never know. But but the fact is that uh, Suarez was signed by Watford and he never played for Watford. He was always loaned mm. and then bought by Granada and now bought, but, but with, with that clause that uh, Watford have the right to, to get a cut from any subsequent sales. So... so I mean, the question is, I mean, based on you know the whole situation where where Watford have taken Marseille to court and stuff, do you think maybe this is this is an attempt from from all parties to find you know to find a, a conciliation and, and be like, fine, you know, just just give us some money for this Suarez dude, and we may um we we won't press FIFA as hard and 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 to to sanction you for the gay thing. So does that I mean that happens in football, right? Or am I am I or am I making this up? No, it does. <laughs> yes. It does happen. Okay, um, right. So I think we'll we'll move on. Um, I know there's another player that we've just signed from the Liga. I think it would just be good to ask a couple of brief questions about him as well. So this is uh, a goalkeeper, a Spanish goalkeeper called uh, Ruben Blanco. Um, apologies for my awful pronunciation of these names. I'm, I'm sorry. That's fine. Um, That's fine. 
That was good. I'm actually. just not even going to pretend that I can try um, and do better because I can't. Um, but yeah, so this goalkeeper, I guess, is one who's probably quite unknown to to most OM fans. Is there anything you can tell me about him in terms of like what kind of player he is and sort of how good he is, really? What's his ceiling? I have to say that this is one of the most puzzling transfers I can think of. I mean... Why would Marseille go to sign the backup goalkeeper from Celta Vigo who didn't play a single match last season? Uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm really, really surprised. I think he played two Copa del Rey matches. Um, it's bizarre. He was, uh, uh, he had been playing for Celta uh, for Never as the unquestionable starter. His best season, he played 30 matches, but there was always some issues in terms of, of uh, other keepers. Sergio Alvarez was, was the previous keeper that, that was uh, Celta as a starter. And he had some, uh, Ruben had some, some injury issues. Uh, two seasons ago, he only played 10 matches. And last season, I'm talking about La Liga, which is basically what tells you if, if a player is a starter or not. And then last season, he didn't play at all in La Liga. So uh, it's a very classic goalkeeper, not that good with, uh, with his feet, uh, tall, good in the air. But, I mean, uh, even though he's only 27, it, it feels like uh, why would Marseille go to, to, to take this player... Uh, from Celta, who are not even interested in him anymore. It's, it's just, uh, I mean, Celta uh, is not a top Spanish team. Um, uh, it, I'm saying you're going to the bench of Celta. It's, it's just bizarre. Mm, I think it's, um, so just for some context, I think he was saying because uh, Steve Mandanda has departed and I think the expectation is, is that he is going to be a number two at Marseille as well to Paulo Lopez. Um, but yeah, so um, it's not it's not that promising though to hear that he hasn't really played much football. You don't really think his level is particularly that high um, because a club like us kind of needs to have two good goalkeepers. Um, so yeah, it's a bit uh, disappointing. Ben, have you got anything you want to ask about Blanco? I, I guess, it, yeah, I mean, just on your comments you've just made, I mean, it's, it, it feels like for the first time in a long time because, you know, we had for years, I mean, since 2015, we had Montaldan and and, uh, and Pulley, and they, you know, Pulley always, I thought, did pretty damn well whenever he was called upon, um, even though, you know, Montaldan was was probably one, number one, Pulley was was number two, but, but played quite a few games over the years, and then Last year we had number 1.5, which you know, which was Mondalda because he, he he played um, quite a few games as well. We changed the keepers quite a bit, but it feels like for the first time in a long time we 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 go into a proper hierarchy where there's number one established, number two is there in case of injury. <clears throat> I guess in in I mean question wise, is it you know you know we have Pablo Longoria, we have uh, Javier Ribalta. Do, do, do you think it's because of their network? Do you think maybe they know someone that, that an agent or someone that that has recommended him or that they've they've scouted them in the past? It has to be something like that because otherwise, uh, this guy is from a little town uh, close to Vigo, and uh, he has only played for Celta all of his life. Uh, I mean. He was on the B team when he was 15. 
and he's never left Celta until now. So it's not like he's transferring to another Spanish team. I mean, this this is a this is kind of a risky hiring, right? Because he's not. Uh, this is a guy who's uh, at the mature side of his career and uh, had never has always trained in the same place, uh, coached by the same people. It's uh, <laughs> he, he played semifinals of the Europa League in in 2016, 2017. So. I mean, he's had some top-level experience, but uh, in any case, it's it, it seems like a stretch that this guy would be one of the top options of Marseille when trying to get a backup goalkeeper. Yeah, um, I think this is really interesting um, because uh, a lot of Marseille fans have this idea that our president, Longoria, is some sort of genius and um, kind of trust all the decisions he makes. And just he, <laughs> hearing you speak about these two players really makes me doubt some of this, some of these choices. Um, I'm not one of those that I think that everything he touches turns to gold, but um, I do do question some of these decisions. But yeah, this is that's I'm quite worried actually that these guys are not really the level that we probably need going into a Champions League season. Um, I guess we're more realist then, but I guess yeah, if, you know, if, I mean, I'm, I'm the same as you. But if someone who's who's hyper positive about Longoria, they'd be like, well, he's not led us, you know, he's made a few mistakes so far. Trust him, he's taken a gamble, he knows what he's doing, blah 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 blah. So there's, there's, we're still in that sort of mini honeymoon period where he's got the benefit of the doubt, and people will back him and say, look, he's proven us wrong in the past. Keep going, I guess. You know, look, maybe Steph to, to to end with Eduardo and Eduardo again. Thanks for your time, but. Probably, the, probably the, the, the sort of off-topic, but <laughs> tell us about you know Pablo Longoria and, and Javier Ribalta. I mean, I, what do you know and what do you think of them? And um, I mean, I, I guess a little. It's a hard question because this could take hours, but they, they seem to be very highly regarded. Um, and Longoria, as Steph said, has, has come into Marseille, was a sporting director, now he's the, the chairman and he's running the game. And he's you know we had a good season last year, but What's what's your feeling and your analysis and what's the perception from Spain about this guy? Oh, wow, um, it's it's uh, it's quite surprising, but th- they do have the credentials that you would want for 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 Marseille to to do well, right? I mean, the the experience of uh, of Rivalta with Juventus is good. Uh, and he did a lot of. Uh, uh, he, he was good in the market. Uh, that's that's what I what I wanted to say. Uh, he did well in a number of transfers, and I mean, it's. I think that Rivalta can help in terms of of the sports the sports direction. Obviously, if he gets these two transfers right, I'm gonna have to tip my hat because <laughs> they're really not obvious. <laughs> they're not. Like the first, uh, they're not high-profile signings. They're not the first things you would, uh, the first players you would think of when you are trying to reinforce Marseille. But there's something he's seen that that he liked, uh, and uh, you see how he's uh, he's he's been involved with Milan, with Juventus, with Manchester United, with Zenit. I mean, he's. Uh, his experience is is top level, and he's had pretty large budgets to work with. 
I don't think it's going to be the same case with Olympic. He's going to have to be more creative, and that's probably why uh, he's is trying to uh, get his connections in Spain to to find for for some hidden talent. But uh, these first two decisions uh, seem a bit like a gamble to me. Okay, um, yo, thanks very much, Eduardo. It's been really good to have you on and to hear. Uh, your um, insight into our new players. Um, so yeah, thanks very much for joining us. Really appreciate that. Have a good have a good night, and maybe we'll speak to you later in the season. It was my pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Let's catch up once we once these two uh, <laughs> players show what they're capable of. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. When Suarez scores ten goals, you can, uh, you can <laughs> uh, come and tell us how wrong you were. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> very good. So. I think there's a the strong possibility. Yeah, we might have more players <laughs> in the future as well, so we might come back to you. But yeah, yeah thank you, right? And um, yeah, take care. Adios. Thank you. Adios. Adios. Okay, so I think uh, Ben, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Like uh, the, these players, like I guess we had doubts anyway about them, um, not knowing the profiles that well. It's, it's so more it's questions kind of, marks, isn't it? I mean, doubts, yeah. it's hard to say because nowadays, you know, as you've as you've touched upon a lot of times, and we've I mean, I, I don't know if we've discussed it properly here on this forum, right? But there is there is certainly a, a cult of Longoria. Yeah, but you can't yeah. deny it. And, you know, I, I'll drink the Kool-Aid, but I think a lot of us, thankfully, in, in, in the in, in the group, in the WhatsApp group, but also on, on the show, we you know, we have enough experience of this club and, it, and, and knowledge to know, come on, guys, it can't be that perfect. And and, and there have been some, some mistakes too, you know, Lirola, um uh, not selling Chiletted Sar to Liverpool on deadline day 18 months ago, and, and now we're stuck with him and he's going to leave on the free potentially. So, yeah, it's nice to, to, to sort of get someone's insights on that. And, and I mean, Ribalta, you know, for all intents and purposes, it seems that he was hired because Longoria was, was burning out psychologically, mentally. You know, he was he was doing too much. He's, he's brought someone competent in. It's not like he's bought... Um, you know, some some random dude in, or, or um, you know, some some Zubi style appointment that Iro did for, for for the show and the name. So we'll see. But um, yeah, all we can do is give them the benefit of the doubt, right? I mean, from a system yeah. point of view, and from a from a coach point of view, Tudor likes these players that press. Um, and and to put it back into the OM context, people love the compass, even when he was a bit shit before he he got proper good that last season. Everybody loved him because he was fighting and, and tackling and, and tracking back. So it, it, there is a blueprint there for, for him. Yeah, as far but Campos, Campos always had ability. You know, you could see it at Monaco. Agreed. Yeah, he seems like he had more potential, yeah. Yeah, I actually, I think the way he kind of um, evolved into this, like, um, hard-working forward was a bit of a surprise because I thought, he wasn't going to be like that when he initially came in. But yeah, but, but anyway, he obviously adapted, um, yeah. right? He obviously adapted yeah. and understood that he's going to have to compensate in the short term by by fighting. And once once he grinned confidence and the fan base got behind him, he, you know, he went to the level that, that we know he's at now. So maybe that Suarez guy can do the same. But I guess it's um, you know, he he for me what I took away from that was um, shit. You know, you guys are, are in in the Champions League and. You're signing this level of profile of players. Yeah, I mean, that, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's very worrying. But um, I guess fortunately the, the third player that we've signed is actually maybe a bit more of a 
proven quality at least in in, in Liga and so that's uh, uh, Jonathan Klaus who's a French yeah. international um, he's got four caps for France all coming in this year um, right wing back right back um, this is I guess quite a good signing isn't it this is the kind of level of signing that we would be expecting as Marseille fans with a going you know a summer going into the Champions League what do you think about this one well, no, we, we, we touched upon him last week and I've, I'm a massive fan of the guy. I mean, you know, and not not only in Ligue 1, but the last two years, he's in, he's in the top five right-backs in Europe and number of crosses attempted, number of goals scored, number of assists, you know. So um, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the signing. Um, I'm happy that also seemingly we seem to have negotiated a, you know, a, a realistic price for him. He had a year left on his deal. He's 30 years old. I think it's like 8 million plus two or something. Um, in terms of bonuses, and it's spread That's quite over. quite a lot for a 29 year old. Yeah, but it's, but... Spread, it's spread over three years. But I mean, you know, that's the price of a, of a decent player, right? And we've spent we've spent more money on dross in the past. So th- there comes a point. Um, I think it was Roman Canuti was saying this on on Friday before the game, um, when I was watching BFM, and you know, it, it sort of resonated, and I, I sort of thought, you know what, he's got a point where you know, remember in the past we had these Pagis and these Laurent Bernard and. And these Molida, who you know, they were they weren't the best players in the world, but when they were at Marseille, they they gave it their all because somewhere somewhere they knew it was the pinnacle of their career, right? Um, and so you need these sort of signings who 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 you're not going to make a, a you know massive plus value on by selling them in a couple of years because they're too old, but you need these uh, these tolliers, we call them in French, you know, these guys who who are going to be reliable they're going to be consistent performance wise and they're going to give it all their all because they realize how damn lucky they are to play for for this club and Jonathan Klaus you know five years ago was playing in the in the German fifth division and here he is now so he's in the Champions League in the Villodrome um for me it's, it makes sense it's a, an experienced pair of hands he'll probably be in, in on, on the flight to the World Cup too um I really like this signing I'm happy that we 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 didn't spend too much, but I'm happy we we got got our man in the end. He's a good player, there's no doubt about it. Um, and we were a bit thin in that position with only one right back, and, and natural he right back. But play that we, we seemingly want. Yeah, because he can as a wing back. Yeah, he can play further forwards and yeah. Um, so yeah, in that sense, it's a good signing. Like I have no issue with with that. Um, I guess like I just thought. I, I I had some reservations in that. I thought that we were paying a lot of money for someone where we didn't necessarily need a starter, and that's me having faith that uh, Lirola, Lirola is still a good player and has a future. I, I, I admire your faith, mate. That's, really all, that's all kind of up there. But I, I, you know, I, I'm, I, st- I still think the guy was a, you know, a very good player when he first arrived. So yeah, and I kind of want him to succeed, you know. So I'm kind of a bit disappointed for him if he. And, and he's still young, yes, right? He's what, 25 as well. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you you mentioned uh, how Klaus is like kind of reminds you of like someone like signings like Laurent Bonner. I actually think like uh, Rod Fanny is a good kind of parallel because he's a player at a similar age, international, um, is now stepping up to a bigger club within France. Um, yeah, and you've time, actually nailed it. Yeah, you've nailed he it. actually had another very good right back at that time already at the club, Aspiliqueta, Spanish. Um, now Lirola is not quite Aspiliqueta, but um, you know, I, I mean, when Lirola first came, I was thinking, oh, this guy looks like he could be the real deal. And there was mummers about him getting in the Spanish team after these first few months. 
um, in Marseille because he did so well. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's, maybe there's a little bit of a parallel there, you know, where, like, we're, there's well, some debt. I, I, we're building a squad, you know, going into a big season. Right. So maybe and there's and a I piece and I think as well, I mean, you know, Lionel, <clears throat> even though we've we've often discussed his, his off-the-field antics, apparently he's a part of him or whatever, but, you know, let's face it, he came very late in the window, barely had a pre-season with, with Marseille. Exactly. And, and, yeah. and we played a completely different system from the one he excelled in. So maybe in a, in this system where we're, we're heavily reliant on, on that position and that profile, which is, a you know, an attacking wing-back that can cross but can also track back, maybe he'll come good again. And... and you know, um, competition breeds um, breeds breeds uh, sort of pushing yourself, doesn't it? And that's the hope, I guess, is that we all we're all hoping that he 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 sort of gets a kick up the backside and that we we end up with two motivated, hungry players who are fighting com- competing for the same position and who who are at their best level. And we're going to need that throughout the season because there's a lot of games. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so um, just. Could we quickly move on to departures? We've had one um, departure um, recently, uh, which is Luis Enrique, who's just uh, returned to Botafogo, which is where we bought him from. So he's gone back there on loan with an option to buy, which is, I think the option is seven or eight million euros or something like that, isn't it? Um, bizarre one. This player had an awful season last year. Um, Looked like a talented player, but clearly far too raw and not ready for Marseille. Um, I'm a bit disappointed in this one, but the, I, I know, and we've talked about this guy, I think, a lot in the podcast, but the thing that I will say is this deal just seems a bit dodgy to me. I don't know. Like We bought, we spent a lot of money on this guy, um, and he wasn't even what well, the coach at the time wanted. Like, what, 11 million, I think? Yeah, and at the time yeah. we, were, we were after a striker, and we failed to bring in a striker. And we brought this oh, yeah, guy. Yeah, we brought this guy in we, saying he could play nine. Clearly, so he was not a striker. Yeah. And um, now he's going back. Like two years later, he's going back to the club that we on loan with an option to buy, like for less. I just, I don't know. There's just something about this deal that just sounds a bit iffy to me. I, I've just, I have a, a bad feeling. And we're talking about earlier on about like how agents and I'm sorry, like um, and people clubs might be sending players because they've got relationships and stuff with uh, other clubs and, and doing deals to suit different yeah. parties. I just have a feeling this one, <laughs> something funny going on with that signing in the first place. It could, it could be, it could be, you know, I mean, because I don't, well, I don't know, I don't know how much, you know, I, I've not seen the details of transfer. I know it's a loan with an option to buy, but, um, you know, you would imagine, I mean, nowadays it's, it's, you know, when, when you give a player on loan like that, you usually charge the clever fee, right? If it's not and on top of, of um, a contribution to their salary and, um, you know, it wouldn't. It would not surprise me in the slightest if, if an aspect of that deal is that they, they, you know, they sit on. We'll just forget about, you know, that 11 million that you've spread out over four years. We'll forget about three million of that if you send it back to us and, and don't make us pay too much of his wages. So maybe, maybe there's that. You're right. Um, yeah, but it wouldn't be surprising. That, and that's the way it works. You know, it's like with um, with Coutinho from from Barcelona. They sent him out everywhere on on 12 million loans a year to Bayern Munich and, and stuff and that's how they recoup some of their investment you know once the players flopped so I mean I, again you're, you're always it's not optimistic but you, you'd like to see the best in everyone which which is one of your your qualities <laughs> I wish I could I could I was still that optimistic but 
Yeah, it's a bit similar to Lirola, right? Remember the, the, the year Sampoli comes in and, and he seems to find his feet finally. Enrique comes off the bench, he, he gets like five assists in the last 10 games, doesn't he? And usually as well in situations to 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 where we were drawing or we were a goal down and we get late equaliser because he gets a good cross in. And similar to Lirola, he just, he just wasn't able to kick on last year and, and we changed the system and we, we recruited loads of players in his position. And I was very surprised when I saw that we'd, we'd bought Conrad and we bought Under, and I was like, well, why don't we loan him out? <clears throat> but we kept him for some reason. He played even less than the season before. Um, I, I guess, well, what do you think? Because what... I think... Sorry. No, I guess the question... I was just going to finish. I was going to say my, my, my main concern and disappointment is... And and I don't know if it's him, but the way that, that you know the window's been open long enough, and, and there have been rumours about him going elsewhere, notably somewhere in Italy, Lazio, and, and other clubs in Italy or in Spain. But you would think that if OM really saw some potential there, you'd you'd want him to get European experience. And the fact yeah. that he's he's fled back to Brazil to to his um you know the club where he he, he started the academy. It sort of looks like everybody's come to the conclusion that it's it, yeah we fucked it we 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 went we we made a massive mistake on the guy whether it's his ability or his character and and he seems to be backing up that opinion that I've now formed of him. What do you think? So no, because I, I, I that would be the sensible thing to do would be to loan him out to another European club. But I'm just looking at it right, um, the details that are online and like we apparently we paid eight million euros for him initially. Um, and we are sending him back to Botafogo with an option to buy for six and a half million euros. Now, why would Botafogo spend six and a half million euros on Luis Enrique, like when he's been so shit, right, for the last year? Like, why Brazilian clubs don't really like have a lot of money. In Botafogo, I understand they're not like a wealthy Brazilian club. That just seems dodgy to me. That's why I, I don't get the transfer, but. But yeah, so you're quite right. Like the sensible thing would have been to send him on loan somewhere where he can develop. Um, it does seem like we've given up on him. Yeah, and if 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 there's a if, if there's an option that's six and a half million euros from, I think that would suggest that his age and level of experience that there's like this player is 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 regarded like it's in a clean world. This player is regarded by both clubs as being still a, a good prospect. Um, that's, see, this is why I just don't get it. Well, no, but, but it makes. I've just, I've, you know, I've, I've explained it to you. I guess the montage. Imagine they end up buying him. Well, you can imagine that if Marseille had had. Imagine we 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 said right, we'll pay eight million plus free for him or whatever, and and so that that was when two years ago, three years ago now. And imagine we have. So that would imagine that we know how long Goyas constructs these transfers. Imagine we have four million left to pay. So in reality. If they do decide to buy him, that's them. Um, that's them uh, erasing whatever we, we have left to pay them for it. And and the reality, the real price that they would end up getting him for is 2.5 million because they're just writing off four million that we still owe them. For example, that's that's probably the the, the kind of montage situation that we're in here. Okay. Um, well, I, 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 what's interesting about this uh, player anyway is that you know they did. Some people think that maybe he might have been more suited to like a left wing back role, and we saw when he played in Sam Pauli's first um, half season, a few months at the season, he did come on as a sub and he had some decisive moments. Um, but 
like certainly like he's not really played that kind of role um and we didn't play like you know consistently and we didn't play with wing backs properly last year so some people think that maybe he could have been given a chance um this year to see if he could actually work and we've got an issue with the left side in that um Kalasinac is clearly awful and offers very little and Amavi is kind of like meh, you know he's a, he's Amavi but maybe we need we need someone better <laughs> yeah your your best friend um so yeah like maybe there would have been a room for him to try and prove himself um that he could do a job there but yes, apparently yes, not and it seems it seems I'm going to move on because I'm just like we're, I think we're running out of time but, but it seems that we're like in negotiations to actually sign a new player there so there's a guy Serbian. I guess it's just just quickly Don Enrique. This is you know that's your optimistic side thinking again, and and the reality is, mate. Sadly, it's now three different managers who've who've deemed him not good enough. So that's that's where we are, right? Yeah. Okay. Um. I, if Tudor really is involved in that, but um, I, I don't know if I I believe he has much say. Um. Well, he's not yeah, seen so him. He... I think he's been he's been in Brazil. He's not even done any of the preseason okay, with the club. Well, so he's not even seen him, has yeah. he? Yeah. True. So it seems that we're we're trying to sign Darko Lazovic from Verona, who's a player that Tudor has worked with. Um, and there's talk about a deal which involves Strutman going the other way, which is supposedly was very close to, to being completed and is kind of sort of delayed a little bit. Um, some rumours about whether or not the player wants to come, but I think they've been debunked anyway. So I, we're assuming that that deal is probably still going to go through. Any thoughts on Lazovic, Stripman well, swap? Well, can I, can I just say, and because, I mean, you tweeted about it, but, um, you know, we're talking about it speculative. We we all know we're going to we're gonna hit end record on this podcast and we're going to sign three players in the next four hours, aren't we? So <laughs> that's what happened last week. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's been in the works. Um Again, it seems like it's what four million for him. We're sending Streetman the other way. We're going to have to pay him off. I would imagine a good fifty percent of his remaining wages for the end of the year and for the for his last year of his contract. And that makes sense. That's what happens in football. You want to offload someone. Well, at least you're saving. You know, you're saving half of of that six million a year you're paying him, and you're reinvesting it on the new player. Um, I guess, I. I Again, yeah, he's you know, he's, is he is he is he exciting? Is he special? Not really, let's be honest. But he's he's Trudeau's man. Um, he's he's an international. He's had he's been starting every season very consistently. Doesn't get injured. Starts every game in Syria. He's got half you know he's got respectable stats, even more so for a right footer player who plays on the left side. Um, it it just looks like. He's going to come in. I think it's, you know, Tudor was like, yeah, he's serious. He's committed. He knows the game plan. He knows the system. And I know I can count on him in the dressing room to back me up and to motivate people. That's what it feels like to me. It feels like a little, you know, mini general. The guy who's going to come in, he's going to be, you know, if he, even if he's average or or whatever, four million, I'll take that gamble. Um I, I think yes. I, it just it just feels like it's the one player in this window that is the, the, a request of the coach. We need he's identified clearly after two weeks with the squad that we're not good enough in that department. He was like, I know this guy. I bring him in. I trust him. I yeah. Look, I'm I'm all for the signing. Cheap, low wage. He's a bit old, but as as we said with Cross, we need these experienced kind of players and and. If he has the same impact he's had in Syria, he'll be a good servant for the club. Will he be 
special, exceptional? No. Do I think he's better than what we have? Yes. Do you? I, I don't. Um, I don't think he is better than what we've got, but uh, I, I, I would say he's definitely not better. But yeah, um, that, I think it's a very similar deal to the ones that we just talked about with uh, Eduardo. Um, then it's a, it's not the kind of caliber of player that uh, a club like Marseille should be looking at, especially like when they're going into the Champions League. So yeah, I just to me. Hmm? <laughs> We're broke though, right? So, yeah, exactly. It just to me reeks of that um, there are problems, you know, financially, and that we don't have any money to bring in the kind of players I'd that rather, we should be this, looking to sign. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, but I'd rather go for this kind of profile. The manager knows him, so if, if you know what, if he's rubbish, well then Tudor will have to fall on his sword, um, and and it was his choice. But but I don't mind him making a choice at four million, you know, because we we've had fucking Rudy Garcia in the past who made choices. Like Strutman at 25 million, the fuck knows how much salary, and Radonich for 12 million that we've now loaned out with an option to buy for 2 million for fuck's sake. See, so, I, d- I disagree with that though, because I think like when you've not got any money, if you're going to spend 4 million on someone, then you try and bring in someone who's uh, like a young prospect who has the potential. I don't yeah, see the point in bringing in mediocrity because but you can't he's afford not, those young prospects. Then, be able, the, the, prospects but you've got to think about why now. you're signing him. He's not Champions League level. He's not, right? So he's not going to be a guy that comes in that's got Champions League experience. It's going to take you over if you're looking for someone who's just got experience that can do a job. He's not. He's not good enough. He's going to be terrible. And he's he's going oh to be he's like, mid, he's like <laughs> mid-table league and level. So you might as well just not sign a player like that. I just referred to you as an optimist before this, but <laughs> I mean, I was surprised you said that as well. But, um, well, no, but yeah, but so you, it doesn't I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Like I get it, it if you're bringing in like a a, a a guy who's experienced, who's not like you know, he's just who who, who but he's like he's not maybe not outstanding, but he's got experience of a particular level and that's what you need is just safe players but he's not he's just an average player so I don't get it, it it's but not like, it's worse than what then. we've already got he's but not better than Mavi or Kalasinac so yeah, based on what you were saying before you, 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 you know it sounds like you're almost like oh, I'd rather have kept Luis Enrique and given him a shot in that position it's like well, he would be the point. rookie you know rather than say so I would have said don't bother signing anybody you've got two guys who are decent and then you've got a rookie Right, that's probably what you yeah, do if you can't bring in clearly, anyone that's going to be better. Clearly, what, what clearly the verdict is right, and you know, again, we we have to repeat it. So, so we're not in the dressing room, we're not in training, we don't see what the managers see. But uh, you know, Amavian Kolasinac, this is now two managers who've deemed them suppressed the requirements and not the required level. San Paoli loaned out Amavi as quick as he could in in in, in January to Nice, and Kolasinac came is, in and barely played and. I what does that think, tell you? We this is where I think you're wrong, fans. though, because I don't think the managers are playing a part of this. I think these are decisions by the the president who is trying to trade. Not, not Lazovic, though, because Lazovic, because it was Tudor's man at um, uh, Verona, he's probably the only one where where you would think they asked him. They were like, if if we, you know, we don't have money, we we can get a player. Where's the position you need it most? And and do you, is there anyone you like? And if we can make it happen, we can make it happen within the budget. And he probably said, you know what, this guy, I trust him. He did. He was proper soldier for me last year. Again, you, you, you know, let's uh, off the pitch. Maybe that's. I think that's what it comes down to. He's going to have a right hand man in the dressing room, who's going to not take shit. He's going to be able to slot into the expectations of game plan and pressing and physical ability straight away. On the sides, you know, let's not forget to mention on the on the side of the pitch that we struggled in every year for the last five six years. 
um, on the left side of defence. So give it, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I agree with you. Yes, ideally we'd have got a younger profile of someone a bit more, you know, a bit more appealing, a bit more, you know, a bit more talented for, for, for all we know. But this is the one where I'm gonna, I'm gonna not judge, and I'm gonna be like, yeah, looks like a solid, reliable guy. Let's wait and see. I've got, I've got a lot more doubts about some of the other signings and some of the players in our squad, whether they fit in the actual system, but not him. Okay. Um, I did. I think we're kind of at a time. I did want to. There was a big rumor about uh, a certain Alexis <laughs> Sanchez. I don't think we really need to say anything about that because I think we know it was it was rubbish. It's it wasn't true, but it we can't afford yeah, it. So I don't think we know. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It would have been kind of funny given that was the rumor. One of the things rumors about Sam Pauli leaving was that he wanted Sanchez or Griezmann. It would have been kind of funny. But no, it was it you not know, Saturday? It was Renato Sanchez. But I'm sure. Alexis Sanchez was mentioned as well at one point. Yeah, he's been anyway, talked about so, hasn't he? Yeah. Just before we, we, we wrap up, there is like um there was an article from uh, La Provence yesterday, wasn't it? Um about McCour saying that he wasn't uh, willing to spend uh, to invest any more money in, in the squad and he wants uh, player sales, which is nothing new. We've always known that. Um, and for some months, been, that's been quite clear, and even I mean, longer than that. Um, but it kind of has sort of got a lot of people talking about the club, and is, you know, it's kind of sparked a bit of a, a, a fresh push for every, you know, for calls for him to to sell the club. Um, I don't know. Is there anything about that that you think's changed? Is it looking like just very briefly? Is it looking like? In your eyes, that we're getting towards the end of his tenure as as OM um, owner, or is it just no, you know sadly not, same sadly story, not. different month? Yeah, well, we, it's no surprise. I mean, we, we can epilogue on this all night, but I mean, Percy, here's my two cents. Right, the guy who came to the club, uh, Magai Daluido, who ch- chose him over Gerard Lopez. Jean Lopez, we've seen what happens. Yeah, he won, he won, he won the league title with Lille. They're now in, in pretty deep shit financially, but they're okay. Bordeaux have gone down. They're relegated administratively to the lowest tier. They may yet get spared and stay in the second division, but they're facts. They're broke. So this guy came in. Um, he made a huge fucking atrocious mistake by trusting someone like Jacques-Henri Hero, Didier Poulmer, and, and for too long. Um, and, and giving money at a loss, and, and he, he just he got taken for a ride. Not, I'm not saying I say I feel sorry for him because someone that wealthy and, and who's clearly been well advised throughout their lives and how to manage their money got got properly screwed, and he should have known better. So that's that's led to him having sunk more than 400 million euros into the club to this day. He's reached a point when he changed everything where he realised, fuck, I fucked up. I'll get some some actually competent people in to manage the club. Um, you know, and despite what we discussed earlier about Longoria, I think that this night and day compared to fucking Hero, and we actually resemble a proper um, half respectable professional football club in terms of the way we operate and we function. So I think he's just reached a point where We've, we've, you know, we've half, we've taken the deficit down compared two years ago from like 90 million something to 35, right? And I, as I've said probably last week or, or a few weeks before, I think it's reached a point where he's like, right, well, you know what? Um, either I cover this 35 million with the density, but I, I don't give you much money to spend because there comes a point we have to be sustainable, or 
you sell players to cover the 35 million and I'll give you a budget like last summer, which was like 40, 50 million being realistic with all the players with options and loans, right? So I think he's just reached a point where as harsh as it is for Longoria and Ribalta, you know, Longoria has like proven that he can he can operate smartly in the transfer markets. He's a bit the victim of his own success. And so McCourt's like, well, you did it last year, do it again. Go and find some, uh, you know, go and go and find some 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 deals and some cheap loans and some spread over ten year payments and make it work. But I'm not putting a penny in because I've wasted, I've, I've sunk enough. And guess what? Um, there comes a point where the club has to be sustainable, and this is it. And the paradox is that he puts money in the seasons where we aren't in Europe, and and then the seasons where we are in the Champions League, and arguably we need to we need to strengthen. He doesn't put much in, but he's probably looking at that in the sense that we'll absorb the money that we've made from TV rights to 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 pay off some of the deficit. So people need to know what they want, right, Steph? I mean, if he doesn't want to sell, he doesn't want to sell. And clearly that seems to be the case unless someone comes around oh, along yeah. with, with a ridiculous offer. But I'm, I'm much, you know, respect to him. He's here, he covers the deficit. And whether it was with Dreyfus or whoever, for, for the last 30 years, Apart from the Pap Diouf era, era, I've not felt like the club was managed responsibly or properly and lived within its means. And if this is if this is the way that we have to get to that point where we stop, you know, spending stupid money on stupid wages for shit players, then it's 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 it had to happen someday, and this is it. And thanks for covering the deficits and thanks for keeping the club alive and, and not screwing us like Gerard Lopez with weird loans that you can never pay back and that end up getting us relegated. But there comes a point where we're just going to have to be patient because let's face it, it's not going to change. Yeah, um, I think uh, it's a bit of a gamble um, though, um, this kind of sort of uh, lack of investment at this time because I, I think we're kind of like sort of um, banking on hopefully getting you know to a point where we're stable enough to keep qualifying for Europe um, and, or, or the Champions League specifically and like at this stage like this is kind of like if you want to maintain that and fight on both fronts get into a season like it's going to be harder to do that without investment so you're taking a bit of a risk um, next season and that we could potentially find ourselves more stretched which could then Put us back, especially a few years, so. with um with with many of our rivals strengthening. Yeah, exactly. So that and and that, I guess that's why people are cross because they want that assurance that we are actually seriously trying to improve the club and 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 thinking about the long term. Um, but yeah, we look at the the results, not the the balance sheet, isn't it? That's the difference between. Know, fans and people who who run the club. Um, okay, so I think that's really all I want to say on that. I think we've probably got runway over time, so I think we should wrap it up tonight. Um, good to to get together and chat. Hopefully, hear about how things were on Wednesday as well after the Betis games. Yeah, Thanks just uh, do check out the. Yeah. Uh, the just to say the YouTube channel. I've been really quiet with that recently. I've just not had any time to put some videos on um but i'll try and get something on soon and yeah see you next time thanks everyone